Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Fishing Podcast, presented by 13 Fishing Canada. Make your own luck. We're here to scratch that angling itch and talk everything fishing. Join us as we sit down with special guests from across the industry. Now, here's your hosts, Brandon Cater and Logan Lewis. The duo is back. Um, welcome back to this, uh, what is this, episode 53, I think we have 53. here. 53. Uh, Brandon, 53. Brandon is back for this one. Happy to have my partner in crime back here. He's uh, on the, on the uh, what would you say, what would you call it, the back end of his sickness? Yeah, yeah, just the tail end. Yeah, I didn't have COVID. I uh, knew some people that did have COVID, so I was a little concerned. But COVID's still 2020. COVID, yeah, COVID's a thing still. Apparently, I didn't realize that until a friend and a family member had COVID, and then I got sick and tested, and I was negative. But, uh, yeah, just a spring snow mold, you know, all that good stuff gets to a guy. So Yeah, I just told Adam you didn't like him and didn't want to talk to him, even though you'd never yeah, met him, so that's why you weren't there for the interview. Well, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. No, but uh, thank you for joining us again here, episode 53, as I said. I uh, have a pretty exciting guest. We have Emily Head on. Um, She's a firecracker. Sure you've seen her on Instagram. Yeah, firecracker is a good word to explain it. It was a lot of fun uh, getting to talk to her, kind of seeing what life is like as a full-time guide and also being a female in the industry that is obviously pretty male-dominated. So uh, it was cool getting to see her perspective on it all. Uh, we get into a little bit of lake trout talk, specifically with Baker's Narrows, which I'm sure lots of our Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Alberta listeners will be quite interested in. Um, but no, it was pretty cool. But uh, I guess one thing is, this episode is coming out on the opening day for Saskatchewan. It sure is. For this year's fishing for season. The, for so, the southern zone, yeah. Yeah, for all of us that uh, you may as... I don't, you can't even do it. You can't even go out those, the only thing. Right? I, every like lake that got, I know of is still iced over. Like, And you know of a lot of lakes. Yeah, so many. But like really though, like, I mean, Buffalo Pound, somebody posted on Facebook the other day of like a drone shot. It's like completely iced over. Uh, our buddy Lane, you know, he lives at the lake at Last Mountain Lake. He went for a swim the other day. There's a little bit of open water right by the shoreline, but you're not getting a boat anywhere. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, if you can find some some nice banks and there's enough enough room to cast, then yeah, have at her on opening day. I mean, this weekend, it's uh, you know, it's been pretty hot out. Like, it could be next week where some of this some of this ice just starts up. to to start sinking there. So yeah, exactly. I know uh, the Bell Brothers there saw an update of. I think it's Lac Bish ice there still. Some more open water that I've seen in some other lakes, but still, you're not putting a boat in there. And same with Buffalo. I was out at the cabin on the weekend, and yeah, it, me and Dad were out shed hunting, and about halfway up the valley, I looked back at the lake. There isn't a hole anywhere. There's one crack, which is from the way the ice formed, that has opened up maybe about a foot yep. at uh, Buffalo Ridge. Other than that, it's all just solid ice other it's than crazy. like 10, 15 feet from shore. So nothing's really going on. But once we start to get some more of that heat, some more of that wind, get things pushing around, I think it should be good. It'd be interesting to see because the water's already high by about, at least at Buffalo, by about two and a half, three feet maybe, something like that. Like it's it's up to the rocks quite a bit. So it'd be interesting to see, but it kind of sucks because we have had, I, I know we have pictures on our computer, me and dad ice fishing opening opening day um, I don't know how many years ago that was, but we put a two by four across like four feet of open water onto the ice and we were out there. We didn't catch anything, but 
we still got to say we ice fished opening yeah, day. Yeah, pretty crazy. But I think the ice is a bit too a bit too rotten for that in most places now. So just have to patiently wait. I know uh, some buddies have started leech trapping a bit. Sounds like the deeper dugouts aren't producing anything yet. Obviously, it's a bit too bit too chilly. Um, some of the like more like two feet deep ones, I guess, been catching some. But I think I'll be based on the dugouts I have. I'll be waiting a couple of days as well. So uh, we'll see what happens here. Hoping to get some caught before I go up to the territories again because when i came back last year the ones i had were dead and i still wanted to use leeches there uh throughout july and in august and stuff and didn't really have anything so hopefully this year is a bit different are you uh pie plating for for leeches i have a plethora of things i got some pie plates some lasagna plates some uh cashew containers that have little holes in it i just whatever i have um usually but the, yeah the pie plates just so simple get yourself i don't know some rubber bands i i use like some of the clips like the paper clips not paper clips i don't think that's the right word whatever the, the black ones are that i have actually some tension to them i'll use those until they kind of rust I on th- there and i have to throw those i out, think but. i think those are paper clips they're just a different style they're also paper clips okay well i didn't want to confuse people i didn't want people to think i'm using the little little uh shiny gray ones but yeah no that's what i'm using mostly and then just tying some line to that. But most, like I said, most of the dugouts I'm doing are so much deeper yeah. that it takes quite a bit longer to, to warm up. And I haven't even been out to them yet, so I don't even know if I can get to them. You look at some dugouts, and it's like, I know there's a dugout under that water <laughs> somewhere, but it's so it's expanded so far outside of it. It's like, oh, man. But it's nice to see. We haven't had, at least around here, haven't had runoff like this for a couple of years. Like some of these spots I used to drive by, and they'd be, they'd be wet, marshy, whatever, ducks in them all, all summer. And the last couple of years, it's been, it's been seeded. It's been planted, like they've been harvesting yeah. it. So it's like, it's kind of crazy to see, but I guess we'll see what happens with that. But it's definitely good for the waterfowl. So no complaints, but bringing her all the way back here, a little bit of a, <laughs> of a sidetrack there. Um, yeah. Like I said, episode with, with Emily head here, uh, like we said in the interview, it's been a couple, a couple weeks in the making here. I know we've been talking on, online for a while there, so definitely happy to have her on i think it's like an hour and a half interview so it's a good one lots of good information in there it's very good yeah tons of energy i don't know how she has that much energy doing guiding full-time it's it's crazy how tiring it can be but definitely always worth it so i think you guys will enjoy that but uh of course want to mention our sponsors first off presenting sponsor 13 fishing um Brandon actually just got a package for me delivered to his house that I ordered some some stuff. So I'll be taking a couple of the Omen musky rods, um, their telescopic rods, be taking those up north this year to try out. Um, definitely excited for that. I think what else did I what else did I buy? Some uh, there was a two piece rod in there. I didn't really check it out. Um, oh, that was an Omen gold. Okay, yeah. So, right? Okay, so you got the Omen gold, and then yeah, there was a little box full of baits, and I didn't open that up, so I don't know what goodies you got in there. Oh yeah, I think I I think I got some uh, some v- VMC trebles and whatnot with some of the blades behind there. Got some stuff like that. I ordered a couple of years ago. I ordered like a pack of like fifty uh, of the clips that they have from VMC. I think they're crankbait clips, but I love to use them in the in the winter. Yeah. No clue where they went, so I had to order some more. I those. like there's a there's I a pack of fifty the crankbait over like the the normal snap ring. Just I like the curvature yeah. of the crankbait. It just it seems like the bait that you have snapped on there, it just has more free, more yeah, play. More play. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not as restricting little, as the other more, one. Yeah. And it's a lot more low profile too, right? 
Um, that's what I kind of like as well. I guess it doesn't have the barrel swivel built into it like some of the other yeah. snaps do, but I love it for ice fishing especially. It's just so easy. They're tough. You can get them in, I think, from like 20 pounds to like 50 or 60 pounds, something like that. Don't quote me on it, but um, yeah, got that coming. So I'll be excited to, to pick that up. But yeah, big thank you to them. Uh, you can use our code Weekend Warriors to save yourself 15% on that as well. The entire Repella.ca uh, website, not just 13 fishing. So that's yeah, just, exactly. that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. So who do we, who do we got uh, next? Saskatchewan Wildlife Federation. Amazing uh, partners. Uh, they do amazing things across the province. And they have the Saskatchewan Master Angler program live. And you can go download the app, um, whether you're an iOS user, uh, Android user, go Go download the app if you're fishing in Saskatchewan. Submit those big catches, get rewarded. Uh, actually, just received a certificate for my walleye that I caught ice fishing back in November. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, just something to hang up and remember that fish because you never know yeah. if you're ever going to catch another master angler or not. Well, especially if you're us, we got, <laughs> we need a lot of luck for that to happen. But I got, I think I, yeah. So you go, you go and you're jacked to catch one. And then, like, I've got a, a burbot and a whitefish, I think, sitting in my camera roll right now. I'm like, I should upload that. And it's been, that's been like since January that I still haven't done it. It's like, you're jacked to catch it. And then it's like, oh, I haven't entered it yet. You totally forget about it. But yeah, definitely a great program. Um, I know lots of renewing of memberships going on right now as well. Uh, so if you were a member last year or in years past, be sure to renew your membership. I got to do that. I'll be doing that soon. So I got mine. Thank you to, you got yours? Yes, sir. There you go. So it's just, it's just for the magazine, it's worth it. I love that magazine, especially with the Saskatchewan-specific um, portion of it as well. I think that's a pretty it cool is, part of it. It is very, very cool. So, yeah, no, the uh, cheap memberships, you get a lot with it, and uh, go check out the Master Angler program. Yeah, and uh, you've listened to us talk enough here. We've got an hour and a half of the interview with Emily coming up, so we will hop into a quick word from Lucky Bastard Distillers. You can check out the show notes below. Save yourself 10% Canada-wide. They ship Canada-wide on their website. So here's a quick word from them, and then we'll hop right into the interview. There are certain moments in life that really stick with you. This is definitely one of them. The thrill of the deal, my friends, is not a myth. Prohibition is over, Saskatchewan. Ask about LB's legendary Birmingham's Dill Pickle Vodka. After all, it's not a party until someone pulls out the pickle. Tours and tastings available. Call or stop by 814 47th Street East. And tonight, why not mix your Caesar with some lucky bastard? It's the one with the pickle in it. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors, to another exciting episode. We have a great guest on tonight. Um... Somebody we've been, you know, scoping out to have an episode with for quite some time. Uh, I got put on the back burner a couple times, but uh, here we are. We got Emily Head with us, um, outdoor enthusiast, guide, uh, Rapella pro staff, Cabela's pro staff. We'll dive into all that a little bit later on. But Emily, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. We know uh, you're a busy gal. It's headed into busy season for for guiding, fishing, all that good stuff. Um, Maybe take a second, introduce yourself for people that maybe don't follow you on Instagram or YouTube, um, and let everyone know what you do. Well, thank you, uh, thank you guys for having me. I'm uh, I'm uh, pretty honored to be on, and uh, yeah. So my name's Emily. Obviously, I uh, have been a fishing uh, guide for the last six years and a hunting guide for the last four. Um, about four years ago, I decided to. Uh, 
try to make this gig full-time rather than just kind of guiding part-times for a couple months in the summer. Uh, I figured why not try to make it full-time and uh, live the dream and so now basically guide all winter, uh, summer, fall and uh, winter, spring I guess and and it's fantastic and uh, yeah I guide for uh, basically kind of sum it up but uh, I always explain this like kind of like this to my guests so January to April, I guess, would be at Baker's Narrows Lodge in Flin Flon, Manitoba, where um, we we uh, guide a bunch of ice, fish, ice fishing out there, and uh, primarily lake trout, but we'll do a bit of pike and some walleye and some back lakes and stuff too. Um, and then I'll have about maybe two weeks off, which I love to shed hunt, so I'll take the two weeks pretty much every day, shed hunt straight, and then in the evenings, pack and get ready for the summer, and early May, we're off to Fort Francis and um, my my boyfriend Daryl and I we uh, we actually met at the lodges guides and as soon as the boss found out we were dating he said oh why don't you guys run the place and so pick up the keys from him and run that from uh, May till August and then come home bow hunt some mule deer or mess around visit some family and then go into waterfowl guiding and start again so pretty much what I do full time yeah <laughs> no kidding eh yeah <laughs> We talked about this a little bit uh, before we started recording, but uh, I thought you were from Saskatchewan. You're not from Saskatchewan. Here, I thought we had a nice local guest, <laughs> you know, and you end up being from Ontario. I'm a fraud. I'm a phony. I'm a fraud. No, I, uh, <laughs> no, I just, I, I had Ontario in my bio back in the day when I was, I lived there. But I'm originally, I don't say this to too many people around here when I'm hunting, but I'm originally from Southern Ontario. Um, and uh, I actually, I love it out there, you know, you get all kinds of freshwater species within an hour, good deer, turkey hunting, you know, it's a great place. But uh, but when I first started guiding, I realized that, you know, I had a choice. I can either take a dive into this lifestyle and, and uh, that meant, you know, obviously some sacrifices. A, a starter home near my parents is close to, you know, 700,000. So I figured, well, you know, why not when, you know, in my, in my 20s, just guide full time and kind of live wherever I end up and, and go from there. And, and yeah. And so, like I said, when I met Daryl and he told me he's from Saskatchewan, I definitely was a little, little surprised because when I drove through on highway one, it wasn't <laughs> taken very appealing, but, but you know, but I'll, but you know, like honestly that night I got there, I said, you know, you got to show me something cool. This, this place, it's so flat. It's so open. I don't know what this has to offer for me as a bow hunter. <laughs> And he took me down to the coolies and I said, are they coolies because they're cool? And he goes, sure, you know, but since then I've been shed hunting like crazy and making friends with farmers and even get to combine a little bit in the fall. And, you know, it's just amazing. I, this is home for me now, so that's why it's in my bio because I just love Saskatchewan. Live here now. It's crazy what a girl does for love, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it, uh, it doesn't surprise me that you wanted to uh, get Saskatchewan in there pretty quick over Ontario. I think maybe we're a little bit biased, but I think Saskatchewan is pretty awesome, especially when it comes to the outdoors. I know, obviously, Ontario has, it's, it's crazy, the different fishing. I just know mostly the fishing opportunities that you can have there. But um, I think as as far as the size of fish and the size of animals and, and stuff that we have in Saskatchewan, from the sounds of it, everyone I talk to, whether they're in the States or other parts of Canada, I think we're pretty lucky and we kind of take that for granted. I think some of us that are born and raised here, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and to me, kind of being a newbie here, um, it blows my mind how many local people who still love to hunt themselves and still, 
you know, they love the outdoors, but they just don't really like to shed hunt or they, you know, they don't really like to, to hunt much more than out of the truck. And it's like, once I started walking and exploring around here, it's just, you can't, you get addicted. Like Saskatchewan's literally like a place I've never, ever been. And I've been all over the country. It's just the people are next level nice. And the plate, like the deer quality here is insane. And just the views and, you know, everyone kind of judges it for face value. But, you know, once you really get here and kind of get shown around, like I'm never leaving. Yeah. That's unreal yeah, for sure. Here. Yeah. It's uh. It's definitely, I don't blame people if they only ever drive the number one. Like if that's all you take through Saskatchewan, you're going to think this place isn't great. Yeah. If you get off that even, you go 15 minutes north or south of the number one last of time, you're getting into some way different stuff. I don't, they just were really unlucky with the number one, I guess. <laughs> but I, I have to agree there for sure. It's kind of a good thing though, because honestly, part of the beauty of this place is the fact that there's so little people. Like you know, anyone who's, who's lived here knows you can drive sometimes an hour and just pass home yards that are abandoned and you don't see a single soul, like not like in Ontario, you know, you got to be careful where you park because then, you know, people start sneaking your spots and, you know, here it's just, you knock on someone's door, you know, may I please look for some deer sheds today? Of course, you know, and then you go in and have coffee after and share some adventures and you can't beat that. And I think that it's good that a lot of people maybe don't get to see that mm -hmm. or else we would just be too busy. Yeah, exactly. It'd be, that's the nice thing is not as many people, people around here. And that's, yeah, that's definitely maybe, maybe it makes people, other people think that some Saskatchewan people aren't as nice as well because we're not used to as many people. And as soon as you get into the bigger centers, I'm sure some of us are pretty wide eyed, like get me out of here. There's way too many people, yeah. but I don't guilty. know. That could just be me too. That's me guilty. too. Yeah. Yeah. Regina is big enough for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, um, so we kind of teased it a bit at the start, but, uh, I guess, you made, you made the announcement a couple days ago on Instagram. Was it yesterday, the day before mm -hmm. with Cabela's? Yeah. So, um, I am extremely excited and humbled. I guess to announce that I have been chosen for the Cabela's pro staff and, um, you know, I, Woo! Woo! I'm so excited. <laughs> I know RIP have phone users, but, uh, yeah, honestly, I'm just, I'm so excited and, and I just, you know, I, for me, the outdoors, like it was always in my blood as, as a kid, you know, I grew up on a farm and we had a hobby farm and I raced motocross most of my life and we'd always be camping and I would always be trying to fish, you know, and I'd be climbing the trees, you know, grabbing baits out the trees and tying in like sections of line together and breaking off every two seconds and like just living it and just loving it, sorry. And like, you know, and so for me, fast forward, you know, 12 years, 13 years and now to be able to work full time in the industry and, and, and have these amazing companies behind me, it's just, it's honestly surreal because I just remember going out and, and the best part is if I didn't get a soaker, you know, if my feet stayed dry, that was the best part of my day. So, you know, to be able to, to now, you know, be able to do, do what I do and it's just, it's amazing, you know, humbling. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, uh, I think it's pretty deserved too. Like I know I've only guided for one, not even season. It was a month up in the territories and being that, I understand the being tired part, right? It's, it's actually nuts. You're you love it, but it's crazy how exhausted you can be. So to be doing it for that much of the year, like you do, um, that's one thing in itself. That's pretty crazy. But then obviously it's not just putting in the time, like you got to be good at it. And clearly if you're continuing to do that full time, that's something you're good at. So obviously very deserved with the, with the Cabela sponsorship or pro staff, I guess. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. 
No, that's awesome. And then obviously you you work with companies that we're familiar with, 13 Fishing, Repella Canada. Um, you've been with them for quite some time. What's, uh, what's that been like for you? I mean, I, we haven't been to any events or anything like down in Ontario or anything. Um, what's 13 Fishing and Repella been like as a partner? So for myself, uh, 13 in, well, I guess the whole kind of Normark blanket, they, they mean so much to me because they were really the first to truly believe in me. You know, they were my, my, my first big company to approach, to approach me and, 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 you know, and kind of just the way it all went down. Um, I know for myself, I don't come from a fishing family, we're outdoorsy, but we're not, you know, not fishing and hunting. So you know, I like to, to volunteer at uh, the local Lake Stewart board. And little did I know I was volunteering with Chris Hockley. He helped run the Lake Stewarts and, you know, he's a marketing manager for Rapala Canada. And so, you know, we would chat and I'd talk about fishing and how, you know, I, I look back and smile, but, you know, and so I, uh, I remember after shortly after that, Chris, Chris messaged me saying how they needed someone for a photo shoot to, to come in and join the team and 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 so we ended up uh, having a great day and kind of the rest is history and that was well going on seven years ago now almost yeah seven years and so oh. uh, kind of it's been nice oh. because you know when I first signed on with them I look back and like you know you're young you think you know it all and you know you're thinking the best the best and I look back now and I'm like oh you knew, you knew nothing you know and it's like to see the yeah. brand <laughs> and myself kind of grow like the way I see it is if you don't look back on your previous season of fishing and think <laughs> that was kind of dumb or like, what was I doing? Or like kind of, if you don't look back on that season and kind of learn something from that or like kind of advance, then, you know, then you're not doing something right. So, you know, they, they definitely grew with me and, and, and as I continue to grow, they still support me like crazy and, and I couldn't be more blessed. Yeah, for sure. I know, uh, we're pretty, we feel the same with, with 13, like they came on before we even had an episode, um, as a presenting sponsor and they're definitely willing to, to take chances on people and great people to work with as well. Right. Like it's, it's pretty easy just to shoot them an email. Like I'm sure lots of people would like to be able to just shoot an email to the head of marketing or something like that. One of those companies. Right. And for us, it's just like, Hey, uh, what's going on with this or, Hey, we're going to, we're thinking about doing this and it's just instant. Right. And they're so easy to work with. And I mean, the the blanket of companies that you're able to work with too you, you can't really go wrong with that right no and and from my motocross background i knew if you're going to partner up with someone you know that that's that's your reputation that's everything and so you know when you do partner you want it to be with someone with that the same matching core values you know that has that product that you genuinely do use every day and that you genuinely love and and so like i said when normark came around i, I remember saying like years and years and years ago if the only sponsor I'd ever want is Rapala because they have the best baits and this and that. And now, like I said, flash forward a couple of years, like, you know, working on some stuff for, for product development this winter and, you know, with, with 13 and, and they're always, always, you know, keeping me up to date with, with new products. And I'm always testing stuff before it comes to market. And so, you know, it's a good relationship being able to be on the water so much. And, and, uh, they're really grateful with being able to send me lots of, goodies yeah lots of goodies that's i think that's the thing all any any angler loves goodies especially some free goodies just to try out it could be one or two things here and it's like oh this is sweet like yeah, i gotta go try this out kind of thing but i know we we've got to do that with some of the some of the baits yeah like if 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 mark sends some some hats or something like that he usually throws in a bait here or there and it's like 
oh, we'll go try that one out this weekend or whatever. And it's it, even no matter what, it, it never gets old, right? And that's I think that's one thing we all like. But I guess uh, transitioning a bit to the life of a full time guide, um, we've had quite a few people on. Um, some are our part time guide, like we just had Adam Gamble on, who does guiding on the side and then is also up in the in the territories with me and then some other people like Eve from from out in BC and he's full-time sturgeon guide but it's it's strictly sturgeon all year round um I guess what's what's life like for you as a full-time guide dabbling both in hunting and fishing and what are some of the pros and cons of that yeah so diverse yeah so honestly the pros and cons is and you can't be you can't be incredible at everything you don't you literally can't you know and so sometimes I find it hard because where where I guide in the summer it's you know six lakes seven different species and you know big muskie big walleye lots of bass and so you know and you find like sometimes you get hard on yourself because you think like oh I you know I really wish I could just spend this, you know, spend a whole summer just fishing for one species and, you know, and, 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 and really, really, really tune it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of have to do what the clients want. Right. So that's kind of something that I, that I find is difficult. Like I'll be completely honest when I first, when I first met Daryl, like I remember him saying, you'd be a good waterfowl guide. Like you want to, are you interested? And I'm like, honestly, like I, like don't have any bird hunting experience whatsoever. I like to bow hunt back at home for deer, hunt for turkey, just cause there's small things I can get home myself, you know, you know, and so, you know, manageable solo, solo hunting mm-hmm. activities. And so I always kind of, you know, apart from shooting a bunch of honkers behind the parents farm, just kind of renegating them out of the corn, you know, I never decoyed any birds, called any birds. And so, you know, that was one of those opportunities that I thought, well, you know, I'm going to have to go to baby steps and learn from square one, but you know, why not, uh, why not expand and, and put yourself out of your comfort zone? And, and so, uh, so yeah, so the, like I said, like the, the waterfowl, like it's, it's, it's really intense and has its own kind of, uh, its own kind of challenges and, and, and things with that as well. And like, I don't know, I just, you kind of, you can't, you don't get sick of it. Like, honestly, like you might, you can get tired and you get sick, sometimes sick of like the stupid things, like, you know, like the clients who maybe just don't quite understand, you know, or, or, or the people, you know, maybe mm-hmm. like camp dynamics or whatever. But like, honestly, for me, it just never gets old. It's just trying to find the time to fish yourself and, and hunt yourself. And, and, uh, like I said, devote time to like kind of figuring out new stuff and whatever. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, for sure. I think that's just like, right. We talked to so many fishing guides cause we're, we're fishing podcasts, but like <laughs> you're, you're dabbled into so many different avenues of guiding that like when you say it's hard to be great at everything, like that's, that's a, this is a saying that like I base everything off of is like, you know, it's, it's easy to be good at a lot of things, but it's, it's really hard to be great at a yes. lot of things. So, um, I, f- I find that's an issue for myself. I dabble in a lot of things and, and then, you know, I kind of move on to a new thing and then it's like, okay, well, I got to just gotta pick one thing if I want to be actually great at it. But I mean, if you love every aspect of it from the waterfowl to fishing, you know, everything, and you can do it all year round, that's amazing. I think that's incredible. So kudos to you because obviously it's not easy. You're, you're, you're here and there, you're so many different places, so many different species like it's there's just so many 
different variables involved with what you do. So, I mean, yeah, great job. Well, I genuinely think, like, honestly, like, <laughs> I don't know what else I to say. Great job because that, it's like, like it's I, it's pretty crazy. No, but I genuinely think, honestly, I say I say to people, and this is why I was so excited to pair up with Rob and Cabela's because I find that like you know you see these guys and they're just like you know logoed up, crazy huge boat, like just catching fish like crazy every time they go yeah. out. Like I can't relate with those guys, you know. Like in some aspects, yes, but in the most average angler can't the most average angler will maybe go once a month you know take their kids whatever go for a cast and i said like i don't come from a background of hunter anglers you know my dad like he he was a a a six days enduro racer and my mom she was a uh she was actually a pro superbike racer she uh, raced already 350 superbikes and so you know like i said i just i always pretty crazy i find if i can do this then anybody else can because like for me, I, I I got hurt racing, and you know. Besides that, every time I'd win a race, everyone goes, "Well, of course you won. You have a track at your house. Your parents are pros. This and that." And so I thought, you know, I, I why not do something that's a little bit, you know, kind of more more aligned to my passions. You know, I like don't get me wrong, I loved racing, but it was more it was a family thing, you know. And so my uh, so I yeah. figured mm-hmm. you know why not trying to get into into the fishing more and then also obviously the hunting and like like I said I just stress to everyone like if I can do it you can do it too because I remember applying to so many guide jobs with landscaping experience and chainsaw experience and even had Rapple already on my team and so many you know it's just you just got to apply and see the opportunities out there and you're not going to start as you know head guide working every day on the water you know you start start at the bottom and if you you know work your way up and over time you prove yourself i guess yeah yeah exactly Love it. <clears throat> i th- i think that's true too as far as when you're talking about just trying to find time to go fishing yourself or hunting yourself too um even if you do say you get a job as a dock hand, that's where most guides start anyways. Um, some of us are, are luckier to to maybe land a, a guiding gig or have to start. But the thing is, you're still up there. Like, I don't think you're going to complain if you're a dock hand up at Baker's Narrows or up at Wollaston or something like that, right? You're still, the fact of the matter is you're up there. You're in that area. Take your evenings, go fishing, learn stuff, right? Like, you're the fact is you're up there. You get to do that. And you get to see also how other guides are doing it right like if you're just put in right away as a guide it's like well, i don't really know what i'm doing but say you've been a dock on for a year or two and you've been watching these guys you have a pretty good idea of how you want to start at least at least right and and go from there so i think that's that's a really good point and there. i say and i say to guys too like honestly as as dock hand like i've contemplated going to places just as housekeeper so i can so i can fish sorry let me rephrase that not just as housekeeper because that's like super rude i've contemplated going to places just as <laughs> oh my gosh yeah, like I've contemplated going to places in different positions other than guiding just so I have that opportunity to fish more because let's face it, when you are doing group yeah. to group to group to group, you don't have a day off. When you're, you know, once you've, you're tried and tested as a guide at camp, guess what? You're on the water every day. So half the time, you know, the dock hands, the the maintenance guys, they get to fish more than I do, truly, you know, and, and, and yeah. I've had it before at lodges where where the dog can, he really is eager to learn. So I'm like, listen, like my guest, we're going night fishing tonight. He's super nice. You come and guide two of us tonight, you know, and, and why not, you know, just kind of try and kind of try to train if you can, if they're willing to want to learn. And if not, then they can just fish themselves. You know, you get lots of. Yeah. 
exactly. That's the thing with being, like uh, I just call it the north because for us here, we're down in Lower Saskatchewan. It's always the north as far as lots of these lodges and stuff. Yeah. But that's the thing. You get you're when you're up there. Say you got your lodges nine, ten employees, including guides. Right. There's only so many people, so you get lots of chances to do things that. I'm sure if they could just hire someone to come up and do it, they would. But hey, that's pretty expensive to do to fly someone in, whatever, right? Like you get chances to go and do stuff like, oh, maybe a guy's sick today. Oh, here's your chance. Take your chance, right? It's kind of like yep. with sports too. Someone's injured and out. Here's your chance to to go to go and learn and, and do something, right? So I think I think that's one thing that's pretty cool. And and you're totally right. Like I I remember coming back some days from from guiding, and you'd see the chef out fishing <laughs> yeah. because he's done his stuff. He's ready for supper, and and yeah, hadn't didn't fish much before, but hey, he's out there fishing now. <laughs> Uh, just for something to do before everyone comes back, right? And I'm like, I didn't get to fish today. I got to take people fishing, yeah. but it's pretty, it's pretty cool seeing that stuff. So you're, you're totally right there. Yeah. I was just gonna say, so you like you guide year round, right? So I mean, um, what is kind of the difference that you see in guiding, say, for ice fishing and open water fishing? Oh, well, the difference is huge. Um, I started with Baker's last winter and originally when I called Brett, he said, oh, we're not that busy. You know, you don't really need another full-time guide, but if you want to come out and see the place and do some fishing, et cetera, et cetera. And then Clayton released another video and it got so crazy. And, uh, and so he calls me back and said, we're going to need you to, to come out and guide and it ended up being full-time. And so, yeah, like I would say, um, so like I said, this is my second winter. I just finished up. And the biggest difference is obviously the weather. Like that's a no-brainer. Like I'll take the the hot sun over yeah. the cold any day. Um, you can probably <laughs> imagine it's like, you know, on a guide day or like day 57, you know, you're already really, really tired. And then you got to go down to your boat and like chip it out of the ice <laughs> and like grab all your baits and like chip them out <laughs> of the yeah. ice and like, you know, and, and just like it's just, it's definitely, it's, it's a lot more. And so for myself, when I first started, like I'm five foot one, like hundred pounds soaking wet. So like, you know, I know that the, the, oh, Brett was a little nervous. He goes, well, what about starting the snowmobiles? And I go, oh, I'm a farm kid, you know, don't worry about that. But it's true when it's minus 50 and you got to get up at 6am and start pulling that thing first thing in your jammies, like you're definitely, definitely, uh, kind of questioning what the heck you're doing but as soon as everything's on and, and you're warmed up and mm-hmm. like you said you're literally such a system you're so dialed that uh you know it, it's fine and and i noticed this winter you know i never never use one pack of hot hands never use no warm you know any warmers like you just dress appropriately and 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 you'll be fine and and you know i we don't typically make shore lunch that much in the winter and so that's something I kind of, I do miss, to be honest with you guys, but doing it in the winter would be a nightmare because you can imagine all that stuff in the sleigh behind the sled, but, uh, all the stuff. Yeah. You need. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. And everything freezes too, you know, and then you got to bring a separate tent with the cooker for the cook tent. Cause obviously you're not making the fire on the ice is just so much time. And, and so, so yeah. And I, I noticed too, like the, the guests, they, you know, we get a, it's, it's a lot different in the summer. Like you get a lot of Canadian guests and a lot of local guys coming into bakers and then you know in the summer i have all just american guests i don't think i think there's one group of canadians that maybe comes through so that's a big main difference as well mm-hmm. yeah for sure and is is that is the lake you're at in the summer is that a fly-in or a drive-in 
So, so it's a fly-in, yeah. It's called uh, Slippery Winds, and it's on Yoke Lake in Fort Francis, Ontario. And so, uh, so it's nice because the guests can fly into International Falls, International Falls, anywhere from the states, and uh, and then just take a border bus, which I think is like ten bucks, you know, to the float base Rusty Myers, and then you're in camp. It's like twenty-eight air miles into camp, and so. You know, it's really easily accessible for all okay. those guys to come up in a couple hours to Minneapolis, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think that's one of the bigger things, too, is Baker's Narrows being able to drive to it. That makes it so much more accessible for the Canadians, right? And I think yeah. that, that helps with it, too. As, as soon as the flying starts, lots I think lots of Canadians are like, why would I fly when I could literally drive to Lake X and have good fishing as well right like i think lots think like yeah. that and i think it's definitely more of an american thing like i didn't see anyone other than americans when i was guiding yeah. um this past spring and so i i totally agree with you there like it's it's kind of funny how that works but i think a big thing is canadians are like i have this lake in my back door like out my back door why would why would i i fly in whereas americans are it's canada we got to go to canada right and obviously we'll take that all day long because that's what fuels most of the industry right yeah yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, it's just, and like, I know a lot of the guys too, a lot of them are from Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, Regina, the lake trout opportunity just isn't physically there. Right. And so they just think, oh, well, it's, it's quick drive, you know, seven hours up north, northeast and, and you're there. And so it's kind of a no brainer in the way that Brett, Brett, the owner set up the packages too. It's just, you know, three ninety nine per person for, I think it's like four nights, three days. Like you can't really beat that, you know? So no yeah. not at all no you can't that's that's pretty nuts and you are you're no, totally right about the lake trout thing oh yeah no it is compared to other lodges and, and stuff like when you look at pricing it it could be flying, crazy if you you're, if you're flying into somewhere you're like a few grand yeah yeah and, lots of the time yeah and it's yeah. like yeah and it's exactly. smart the way he does it because you know everyone is able you know four people the cabins you know the the boys are able to do two and two in a room and it has a little kitchenette so they can eat in the lodge with the full restaurant or or they can, you know, make their own meals down in the little kitchenette if they want, which most of them will just opt to go get some beer and wings in the lodge, right? Who wouldn't? So, you know, it's 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 an mm -hmm. awesome setup yeah. setup for them. You know, they can just drive their snowmobiles and everything trailer right in and off you go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's the funny thing that you do mention about Saskatoon Regina. We don't have much lake trout fishing around here. And so I know when I went up to the territories i was like why do all the americans only want to fish for pike I'm like we've got 30 plus pound lakers in here and they only want to fish for pike like almost like refuse to fish for lake trout and i'm like let's just spend the morning for lakers not much going on pike wise anyways and then we'll go hammer pike in the afternoon and it's just like it's almost like pulling teeth to get them to fish for these huge lakers i'm like you don't realize how lucky you are right now like yeah. it's, it's insane what is it about the american clients and lake trout you'd swear you're trying to offer them something expired it's like i don't get why they don't like the lake yeah. trout fishing you know we we get the odd the odd clients you know that come up to bakers that are like die hard american lake trout fishermen it's like it's crazy they come up with absolutely everything and anything they need but you know then when it comes to the summer like you said pike bass walleye that's it i go guys we got a great lake we mm -hmm. can catch 50 lakers on no we'd rather just hammer some walleye all right yeah okay <laughs> yeah exactly and you can't I change don't, I don't a walleye know. guy okay no you can't a pickerel guy <laughs> oh you can't change a pickerel <laughs> <laughs> what's Emily? What's your uh, what's your opinion on walleye versus pickerel? Honestly, 
I say walleye. Like, I think if you say pickerel, then you should be born somewhere between 46 and 22. Like, you should be an older guy if you say pickerel. But, yeah. you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, that's I honestly, what I, I think so, too. Whatever. Walleye. Now we're stereotyping. <laughs> Whatever. They're, they're, they're clients. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, honestly, now we're I say the clients say, you know, sometimes they'll just, they forget your name or they just kind of make up a random new name. And I say, I say to Daryl all the time, like, honestly, on my paycheck, as long as it's spelt right, they can call me whatever they want. Like, they can, they rename me half the time yep. anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's always my biggest fear is trying to remember the clients' names. But luckily, when we do sandwiches the first day, it always had their names on their sandwiches. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> What's the longest you've ever gone guiding someone? Until without... you give the wrong sandwich to the yeah, wrong person. I was going to say, what's the longest you've ever guided someone without remembering their name? Um, <laughs> I went about, it wasn't long, but I think I went at least three quarters of the second day. I remembered his name the first day, but the second day I went like three quarters of the day and I couldn't remember if his name was James or Jim <laughs> because... It turns out he went by both, but I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't remember which one it was. And so I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, good job, man. Or like, way to go, guy. Like, like, I didn't I didn't do it that bad, but I was like, yeah, I couldn't remember. You're just waiting for his buddy yeah. to say his yourself? name. Like, and you're just like waiting. You're please say yeah. each other's names yeah. and they never do. Yeah. You can try and put, you can try and uh, like kind of bait them into that. And then they'll say like, but yeah, they they say anything but his name, and it's like, okay, I I really I really need a bone here. Like, someone help me out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I hear you honestly. Like, I'm terrible with names, and sometimes when we're guiding on the ice, we have groups up to like 12, 13 guys sometimes by yourself, and you pop on the ice hat, and all the huts are the same. Of course, you pop in, you're like, Alan and Jim, how you doing? And you're like. It's Jeffrey and Jake. You're like, oh, sorry. Just re-zip the door and keep going to the next guy. You're like, at least you know the other guy's name. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. It is. Well, honestly, it is. You got to be kind. Like, it is what it is. Like, it's like, you know, you don't, you know, you don't expect the people, like, at McDonald's, I go there a lot, but I still don't expect them to know my order off the top of their head. I'm not that special, you know? So, it's <laughs> yeah. like... You guide, like, what, how many people a week? Sometimes, like, upwards of, what, 40, 60 people a week. It's, like, it's, sometimes it's a slip. Yeah, that would be a lot difficult. Luckily, we, luckily, I was with two people for six days, so I'm pretty well got it down pat <laughs> by so. the second day, for sure. It's, well, except for that one guy, but it's, yeah, so, yeah, it's, I'm usually worried about saying my own name right when I'm shaking their hand, like, hi, I'm Logan, nice to meet you, and then they say their name, and I'm, like, I nailed my name this time. That's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> day six, you're calling Sally Susie. Oh, man, that's the yeah. worst, though, when it's yeah. been a few days, and then you accidentally call call someone by the wrong name, even though you knew their name. It's just like a Floridian slip or whatever they call that. It's like, oh, my bad. I'm so, and they're so offended. Mm-hmm. You're like, I got it right for the last five yeah. days. Don't even play me like that. You know I know your name. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, or you call them an old guest name. It's like almost as bad as saying an ex-boyfriend Ooh. or ex-girlfriend's name. Oh, yeah. Oh, am I the best <laughs> guest? Am I your favorite guest that I, you've ever had? And it's like one of my favorites. And meanwhile, there's like 200 favorites. Like, yeah, one of. <laughs> I like kids. Yeah. You just love them all in their own way. I'm just saying so I don't get my... T- <laughs> yeah, you guys are honestly teachers. <laughs> you guys are what? Honestly teachers. Yeah, it's like you sometimes. guys have your own like students. Well, yeah. He like honestly. Some of them want to be students. Some don't. 
Oh, the listening. That's like, I would say that's like every guy's number one thing is like, when you meet someone, you can probably gauge in the first five minutes of conversation, whether they're going to want to listen or, you know, if in the first two minutes, like, oh, I used to guide at whatever you think, oh, no. You know, because it's like, yeah, just because I was working mm-hmm. there doesn't mean it's going to work here. You know, it's kind of a different program. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. I don't know if I had to deal with it. I think uh, the the clients I had were pretty open, but I know talking to some other guides uh, up there, and it's like some of them might just want to tell you, "This is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it." And you know what? You can let them do that for the first day. And if it doesn't turn out great, they'll eventually come around to, Hey, maybe I should listen to the guy who fishes here every day for the summer or something like that. Right. Like they, they'll eventually open their eyes. And if they don't, Hey, that's what they wanted. And they just lost out on a better trip pretty well. Right. Well, that's, that's honestly like, I say that to my guests all the time because you know, not like, not that it's any different, but like no one likes being told what to do, but being told what to do by like, you know, you're, you're, your daughter basically in a lot of these guys cases, you know what I mean? They just, they, you know, so I'll, I say them, mm-hmm. listen, like, you know, I'm on the water every day. Like I, I, I know exactly what we got to do to give you a killer day. We can do that. Or if you have, you know, if you have your own ways of doing things, that's fine. But I'm like, I get sick of my own voice. So just like, you know, if you don't want to listen, that's fine. But please don't complain when you're not, when you're not catching like, like everyone else's, you know? And so sure enough, like, like you said, people always will pretty well come around by the end of the day. And my number one saving grace is always the grandson and the grandson's a saving grace because like most of the time he doesn't really fish. He's just there because grandpa needs someone to kind of hang out with. And so he'll kind of come on the trip and not have an idea and listen and just crush fish. And then grandpa's there with his big metal leader and, you know, is twister, you know, three twister tails <laughs> shoved on one jig head, you know, cause that's what worked one time and whatever. And so then he watches his grandson crush a bunch on the drop shot the or some newer technique. And he thinks, all right, well, you know what? Hand it over. All right. I give that a try, you know? Yeah. Well, all right. Then everybody's happy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I totally agree there. And it's funny how I've noticed with the Americans too, they all seem to have different tackle. But a lot of it is they're all using the same stuff when they come up here. And I don't know if word just gets out that, hey, I use this on one trip and it works great. But I don't know if you've noticed that as well. It seems like they seem to run some of the same stuff and lots of the stuff I hadn't even seen here before. Yeah, a lot of the same stuff and a lot of things that make you kind of think like, you know, you took took this this rod tube and you shuttled it all the way across the continent. And you could have just gone to Canadian Tire and bought the same one. We got the same one here. You know what I'm saying? Like... It's crazy. Like, it's like, you know, it's like people come with so much stuff, but it's not even what you need. It's just, you know, and so like, for me, what kills me is like my, I'd say my top three list that kills me is like, which they do catch fish. So no one like at me that these are bad baits. They're great baits. Ruby red eyes for pike. When the guys break that little baby out, I was, oh, here we go. But some days it's just, it makes you like pike Mm -hmm. laugh at you. So some guests just love their ruby red eyes, but they'll literally even jig them for walleye. And then the Johnson silver minnow. And then bonus points if it's tipped with that. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. You know, just. Yeah. (laughs) That's like, that's like the hit bait. And then the the spoons, (laughs) you know, everyone loves the spoon. Like just the Len Thomas and Fire of a Diamond. There you go. That's, that's all you need. But that, yeah, that, uh. That second one you mentioned there, I don't even like, I don't even remember the name because I just hated seeing it. It was nice, nice <laughs> enough to unhook the fish, but I, 
just deleted it from my memory. I was like, I don't want to see another one of these. And luckily I haven't since I've been home. But yeah, I totally agree with you. It's hard when you go out. And- <laughs> just wait till you head back up there next month. What's that? Yeah, true. Yeah, when you go up again, you'll see <laughs> it again. You just said wait till I head up there yeah, next month. Yeah, yeah, and- exactly. Yeah. So I guess uh, we've kind of been doing some high level stuff. Maybe we should uh, uh, give the people some technical information if you are willing to about ice fishing for lake trout. Um, I, I guess most of that would be dealing with Baker's Narrows, but we don't want you to give away too much that they go and do it themselves up there. You still need to hire a guide <laughs> when you go up there to at least for at least one day to get things figured out, right? But there what was you- one lake trout on your Instagram page that was mind-boggling <laughs> at the end of the season. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That uh, that that fish, <laughs> I, I I honestly like that. You know, my so my guest Joe, so kind of long in the long in the short. Like my guest Joe, he he was awesome. From this was his name. His Joe? name's Joe Rokin. Yeah, and he's from this. Or was it Jim? No, I wasn't. Thank oh, God, okay. I remember this time. No, but his name's Joe, and like he came all the way from the states with his son and some of the friends and. And, you know, later in the season, I uh, we all tend to start to downsize our baits a little bit rather than, you know, run those big, huge tubes and, and, and running big baits. We're actually starting to jig like small, small but heavy, we say, like, you know, tiny little micro tubes, you know, heavy as you can get them basically. And and uh, and even sometimes you're going as, as small as like, you know, and, uh, you know, a jig, jig and a piece of skin, you know, it's just crazy end of season how they get a little fussy but anyway so long and short I told y'all I'm like listen like this is late season this is a trophy spot like I just want you I just want you working like the baits basically I come in I'll give you a bait randomly every like hour or so and just like don't take it off just kind of try to jig it and keep it on and and everyone else was kind of hopping around and just using what they felt and so Joe would literally put on everything I gave him didn't switch it up you know listen really well and so I finally came in with a drop time little two and a half inch drop time tube with the little Colorado blade at the back and said, okay, jig this, but make sure you're doing jigging the whole column because we have a big shallow rock shelf behind us and I mark a lot of fish up high in the column here, which, you know, and, and, and so he goes, oh, even the big ones? I said, yeah, even the big ones. And so sure enough, he's jigging up and down. I call it like the broken elevator, just like all the way up to zero down to the bottom. And uh, he said he, the fish mm-hmm. came in on, on, on the live scope suspended around 20 feet and uh and just hammered it hey and and just hammered the bait and and he was fighting it uh for quite a while and 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 i honestly we were joking around but everything kind of goes to your mind at that point like you know you have a live scope down there and i'm like thinking i'm like well maybe this thing's like a 34 or 36 but it's like snagged you know it got fouled or something by accident got hooked in the fin or just because the power on this fish is just incredible and so throw the live scalp down I can see the fish is fighting nose down okay no that's good you know everything looks fine and so he's fighting fighting and then we got you know by that time you know the word got out all the boys were in the tent and and uh and so I mean we we got it out and, and everyone's just floored eh? like I don't know who's more excited me or Joe and and we were just hugging and you know and in quick pictures and threw her back and yeah she measured 45 and and uh, 45 on the nose and, 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 and just like lifetime changing moments. And so I guess like that kind of goes in your other question when it comes to, like tactics and stuff like with lake trout. So um, the number one thing that is the biggest mistake everybody makes coming to Bakers is they just think, oh, well, 
I'll just make it work on my walleye rod or I'll just make it work on my pike rod or I'll just make it work on whatever I have. Right. But at the end of the day, these fish, even though, you know, for the lodge total, I think it was right 125, I might be shorting, but 125 masters total for the lodge this winter. So, you know, I say, and even though like the opportunities there, it's not, it's not jumping in your lap, you know, you're still going to have to try and you're still really going to have to mm-hmm. be ready when the opportunity comes. And so, you know, having, having the right rods and having deadline stuff, nobody comes with any, any iFish pros or no finickies, like no, no, no tip ups, nothing. And it's like, you're allowed to lines. If you're looking for that big fish, you know, you got to make sure your opportunities are there, you know? So yeah. yeah. Take yeah like, why not? If line. you're allowed two lines, yeah, you're missing, you're missing an opportunity. And I think that was, I think it was Jay Siemens. When we had Jay on the podcast here, we asked him, you know, what are some tips? And one of his things, I still remember that he's like, People underutilize extra yeah. lines. They always just use one jigging rod yeah. and like you're allowed to. So you might as well have a second dead stick. You never know, you know, what the fish are yeah. feeling that day. They might not be looking for an active jig. Exactly. They're looking for something just sitting there, an easy meal. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 That's, I'm always wishing I could use three or four. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, and so it blows my mind, you know, and, and so I had another day. This is a pretty good example. So, you know, just, and it doesn't have to be crazy. You know, I'm MacGyver 5,000. Someone tried to throw out a bunch of HT riggers, you know, a bunch of old flag setups. And I, I found them in the garbage, used some coat hanger for a trigger. They were perfect, you know? And so when I have guests that don't have extra stuff, they can use that. But, you know, for the most part, it's like as a perfect. guide investing in those finicky fours and all those deadlines, like it's just, it'll save your day. Like, you know, you, I had a group of, I think it was five or six guys and, you know, they wanted that big one and it was pretty cold. It was 30 minus 38, I'd say 38 to 41 around there and really windy too. And, and so the, the guys go, oh, we don't need deadlines. We don't want to clear them out. You know, we don't, you know, it's cold and blah, blah, blah. And there's only one tent all squished in there. And, and so, and so anyway, and so there's four guys actually. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Cause they're all squished in the one tent in the line. And so. So I said, all right, well, guys, you're allowed four extra lines. I'm going to do two on the side, you know, two on this, this side of the reef, two on the other side of the reef. And we're camped up on, on the middle on the top. And I'm like, the word, I said, I'll check them. I'll yep. make sure I, you know, as a guy, that's my job. I'm out there freezing, clearing the holes out every 10 minutes, you know. And and so sure enough, I, I didn't have enough deadline setups for four extras. I only had three. So I thought I'll just put out a tip up. So I had two pike tip ups got the line from the one, you know, tighter together and make it extra long, threw it out there, got hit twice, 37 and a half and a 41. So it's like, if you didn't have that out, that would have never happened. And, <laughs> you know, and just, that's yeah, just yeah. And there goes their day. Yeah. Right? And it's not rocket science. Like I say to guys, like, yeah. it's not a mystery. We're just throwing Cisco's on the bottom. So like, you know, that's how we catch big fish. Like why rob yourself of that opportunity? Just get yourself a setup make sure it obviously can handle it appropriately. You know, you, like I said, it goes back to my previous point of people bringing out, you know, those, those, those medium heavy kind of shorter walleye rods, et cetera. And they just don't have the power. Like Joe fighting that 45, he had a 42 inch, um, uh, I'm not going to say the brand, but he had a 32 inch kind of, uh, ice rod and he, he was getting his butt kicked. It was just way, and it was supposed to be a heavy lake trout rod. Mm-hmm. It just, it, <laughs> There's no way, you know, and so, 
that being said, like, yeah. you know, I personally, for my setups, like I'm running a 42 inch, you know, 42 inch heavy. I have some medium heavies I run too, but 42 inch heavy and I'm running 25 to 30 pound braid. I'm literally using my open water reel. So just pull out your, you know, grab your walleye rod or what your bass rod or your, your walleye reel or your bass reel and, uh, and throw that on your Laker rod and, and then a nice long, long, uh, lead of, I would say 30 pound, you're good 25 to 30 pound fluoro. And, uh, everyone has their preference. Some guys like doing it, you know, eight, nine feet long, but you know, a fluoro is on your spool, you know, just popping off and gives you an aneurysm makes me so frustrated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I just double uni it and we'll run a nice, <laughs> like 48 inch lead. And so, you know, and, and so you're not teasing the poor guy trying to land your fish thinking it's coming and it's, you know, another 10 minutes and, and anyway, yeah. and so, uh, so you know, and, and my number one bait I always start with is, is rip and wraps. And so size seven rip and wraps are my go-to and we always joke, is it like a rattle day or a tube day? Because, you know, you'll start with a rattle and then on my ready rod, my other rod sitting beside me, I'll have, you know, my tube tied on and rattle just works so hard. The whole column up and down, like I jig more up than I do down and, you know, work it really aggressively. And then you'll see 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 a laker come in and and half the time early season you don't even get to investigate by the time you just arch up and smash your bait but by the end of the season you know you'll you'll be jigging mm -hmm. like crazy you'll see that fish come in you know he'll come in oh he'll reject it turn you down then you turn around come and reject it again and that's when it's like reel up frantically throw the little micro tube down try to smash them on that if that doesn't work baby you gotta grab the old skin and the jig but if you're going to that then you're pretty desperate you know like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so exactly anyway. no that's that's totally fair that's uh it's funny we were just talking about dead baits i literally just got a text from my dad while you were talking about them he says hey guess whose bait is thought out in the shed right now <laughs> <laughs> totally forgot about it in the uh -oh. shed so that's uh that's a tough one that was yeah i didn't i didn't i don't actually no, I didn't take any of the Cisco home from the last day, but I think there's a fully unopened package of mackerel there. So there goes about 15 bucks of, of pike bait for oh, me. So that's too bad. But uh, he said it smells like something died in there, which <laughs> is understandable. <laughs> I thought yeah, that was kind of funny time. You're in trouble after this. Eh? You're getting in trouble. What? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I said, I said, sorry. I said, I'm sure the rabbit that lived under there moved out after that smell. He said, I would. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so. Yeah, it smells like his dead brother, honestly. But like, that's the thing too when it comes to bait. Oh. Like, you know, when, when we're out at Baker's, like, I think a lot of people, they underestimate the adventure they're about to head on big time. And I would say out of all the groups we have out of 10, two of them are like borderline prepared. The rest of them, you know, good luck. Like, and, and, the, and what I mean by that is like, like there's so many things, you know, that, that you have to keep in mind. Like, you know, you're going out close to 20, 22 miles. So obviously your, your snowmobile is going to be gas and oiled, you know, before every day, you know, no, you don't ever leave without a full tank because, you know, in the winter, you know, half a tank to me is an empty tank. And so, um, that being said, and like just the importance of like strapping your load, you know, a lot of the times we'll be stopping a lot to pick up a lot of shrapnel that the guys drop picking stuff up yeah, yeah. because, you know, ratchet straps in the winter, like, you know, oh i got my ratchet straps so guess what on the sleigh that's bumping around as no give they just pop right off so bungees you know no one thinks to bring bungees and nobody thinks to bring like a cooler for their bait you know 
us guides, you know, we have to thaw our bait out in our kitchen sink the night before. And so, you know, for in the morning, we'll, we'll make yeah. sure it's cause you know, no one wants to go out with frozen bait that sucks. And so we'll make sure it's thawed and in a cooler and in, in the front of the toboggan or in the front of the sleigh or whatever. So it doesn't get bounced around too much, but yeah, like little things like that, that this, it kind of, it's crazy how, how it just, it's, it's in a different environment, you know, and by the last week that we were there, you're snowmobiling across just slush and water up to your knees. And so I was saying to people, don't bring winter boots, bring rubber boots, you know? So you definitely, I, I encourage yeah. everybody just mm-hmm. get a hold of us. You know, all of us are extremely accessible online. Like, you know, whether it be me or Mac or, or Daryl or, or Brad or anyone, like just send us a message and just ask how conditions are and, and we'll make sure you have everything that you need for your trip. Cause I don't want anyone showing up next year with no deadlines. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are you, uh, are you running the strike masters? Yeah. Like for myself, like I honestly don't think I'd be able to do my job as efficiently, like without my strike master auger, because the biggest thing is, you know, two batteries charged up in the morning, you know, one on the auger when it's pretty mild out. I notice even up to minus 25, it's fun. It's fine to run it on the front of, front of the sled you know like a lot of guys you see them with like coolers and hot hands and you know like when it was minus 50 you know i'd put on my jacket but for the most part minus 20 25 you know it's fine to clip one on and then one in your backpack and for the most part i'll probably do on average about i would say on average maybe 25 holes a day i would say um when we're lake trout fishing mm-hmm. we tend not to move around too too much like We'll, uh, you know, we'll set up, set up home base and in, in, in hope that that reef you went on is going to be the one that's going to provide you with all day action. But sometimes you can't help it. And you got to make a move in the afternoon or whatever. But, uh, yeah, that being said, like I, uh, I had a few mishaps. I was ripping along the lake and like my auger rack just came unwelded and threw my, uh, my auger, like right dumped her right off the side of my sled to send her toppling and like no problems like it's it's just been a powerhouse for me and like i went on the same sets of blades they're starting to get pretty dull by the end but i didn't change my blades from i think it was like february 25th all the way until april 12th or something on the same set of blades every day so yeah pretty good Yeah, yeah and that's that's a lot of holes and obviously the ice isn't uh thin either up there no. right so are those 10 inch holes yeah so i'm 10 inch holes and um and like i said i'm really short so if i can avoid running an extension i literally will all costs like i don't know it, guys are like i was gonna say like lifted trucks but i got one too but like they're like oh extension season yeah yeah but for me i'm like <laughs> Ooh, i hate it i gotta stand on the snowmobile seat yeah. hole, you know yeah but uh but yeah, no, and so this year actually we we were, I was able to get through the whole season without an extension, which was great. But by the end, you're you're oh, right nice. to the bottom, you know. You're you're literally just just kissing to get through, and so and and so yeah, like yeah. I'd say when it come we were before we were kind of talking about the difference between summer and winter guiding, and I would say like physically a lot more taxing in the winter than in the summer, just popping holes and yes. walking. And, oh, for yeah, sure. So. Well, and how easy is it in the summer to just pull up to the dock, tie up, and leave, right? <laughs> Go out for supper or whatever. Whereas in the winter, it's like, I got to pack up the tent. I got to pack gotta, up the heater. I got to put everything in the sled. I got to unpack it and let it dry out. Yeah, all that stuff, right? There's so much more work that goes into it. Well, and that's just it. And like, you know, it, 
it's I, one of the things I've really had to, to, to learn and to work on when, as you know, the years gone by guiding is my first, you know, two, three seasons, I like just naturally, you know, the guys go, well, you know, Emily, like we haven't had a trip in 15 years and it would just mean so much if we can stay out another hour or two. And I would always be like, oh, you know, of course, you know, maybe thinking that that would be the thing that, you know, would make them, make them like me or win them over or whatever, you know. And now it's like, no, like, you know, you get at Baker's, you have a 10 hour guide day. We can go out early. I'm happy to leave as early as you guys want. But like, you know, it's 10 hours because we need to get back. We need to unload everything. We need to pull bait for our next guest because we guide every day back to back pretty much new people pretty well. So it's like got to talk with them, figure out what the program is, make sure they have everything. And so, you know, like a lot of the guests are really good about it. They, they respect that. They know they're like, you know, you have to work again tomorrow. You've been working every day for the last how many months, you know, let's get back. You know, it's afternoon bites done. Let's go. But like I said, you get the odd guy that, Oh, it would mean so much. And I say to him, listen, like you can stay as late as you want, but I like, I have to be back at a certain time. And, and it makes it fair for all the guides too, because Mm -hmm. you know, I never realized until another guide came up to me and said, well, I'm not a young 20-year-old something. I don't have the pep in me to be leaving early and staying late. And it makes my clients look at me being like, well, why aren't you doing that? And he's like, but I have other things I have to worry about. And so yeah. it totally, after someone explained it to me, I'm like, it totally, like, sorry, number one. And two, it makes sense because it's just keeping a standard. So all the guests are home in time for dinner. They're all, you know, leaving a, uh, in a pack, come back in a pack, and no one feels they're getting oh, well, they got a 40 today because they left half an hour early or whatever, you know? Just try to keep everything pretty pretty same-same. Yeah, Absolutely. and I, I, th- I think that's a big thing. Like, I know uh, up up at Lac Lamarck, it was always, you don't want to be the first one back to the dock. There's nothing worse than coming around the corner and you see no one's at yeah. the dock. And I'm like, I'm 15 minutes late. Where is everyone? Like, Because then they're like, you know what? We've been the first one back like two, three days in a row. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to stay later and later. But then the, the thing I always say too is, because uh, like we had we had radios and stuff up at Lac Lamart for, but it's only if someone was in with, within a certain radius of you, right? To, mm-hmm. to be able to hear it. So I was like, one of the biggest things is one, two things, I guess. We have supper at a certain time and it's kind of nice if everyone's able to be there for that. Because the chefs obviously worked hard on that, prepared that, everything, mm-hmm. right? Good to go there. But also safety is the biggest thing, right? Like I've seen it when someone's like half an hour late and it's like, where are they? Like, what well, should we maybe start thinking about going to look for them? Or like, because something can go wrong anywhere, right? Especially on these big lakes. So that I always use that line of, well, one of the main things is it's for safety. We can't be an hour late because then they're going to be sending out people, which is endangering other people looking for us too. So that's that's kind of what I always went with, and it, it they seem to kind of understand it a lot more with that line. Yeah, I I I, I agree, and you know, and like Brad, Brad, our boss, like he's so good about that too. You know, like when you 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 know you'll say to him, hey, I have a guest that I think they expect, you know, maybe a couple more hours, and this and that, and he'll just casually walk by and go. Oh, he must be tired. He's been working every day this week, you know, make sure you get my guide home at six and just little kind of things like that, that'll really be, be helpful, you know, because, you know, I'm sure you've experienced it too, where you've been at a place where the owner's just like, Oh no, the guides are fine. Like they can take you out. They can do this. or you get back from work and they're like, Oh, I told a guest that you would take them out fly fishing for four hours tonight. You're like, uh, but, but you know, I didn't know about that. And maybe it's my dad's birthday. Maybe you got something going on, you know? So like, yeah, I just it's nice when when everyone's kind of on the same page for that. Like, 
Yeah, no, I I totally agree there, and that's that's a good point. Is yeah, you you got other things going on, and like so, what basically what would the guest that's asking you to stay later? What would they have thought if they showed up and their guide was an hour too late to talk to them about their trip that they've paid for tomorrow? Yeah, right. Like it's kind of you got to put it in other people's shoes too. But lots of people obviously just go screw the other people. I'm here fishing and I, <laughs> I want to stay. Right? They don't think about yeah, that. Yeah, it's like going to Disney that's World. Also, it's like, that's a whole nother conversation. Exactly. It's like going to Disney World. It's like how yeah. many times have uh, those people at that park have had to do like the same song and dance for like the same literally thousands of people every day? And it's like yeah, every person in there, it's there's one special moment. So it's like that balance of you know putting Mm -hmm. in the full effort but then at the same time you can't drain yourself trying to you know i had a guest and we were already at like over 100 fish day and he looks me goes we're done he goes honey we're done it's 4 30 like we've literally an amazing day like come on like let's go back and have a margarita and enjoy the night and i'm like amen let's go you know it's like Mm -hmm. you get you get guys yeah you can come up here yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um one thing so you mentioned earlier when we were talking about guests and stuff and, you know, but with you being the guide and you, you know, you, you said sometimes you feel, or you feel that they think that you're kind of their, their daughter and, you know, you're telling them what to do and yada, yada, yada. Um, obviously you're very successful in what you do. What's it like? What are the struggles being, you know, a successful woman in the guiding industry that, you know, there's not millions of them, um, what, what what do you find is like honestly like know. what do you find easy what do you find yeah, hard so like that's like for me like i really like i when i was racing motocross like i got to a point where you know i had to start racing with the boys and you know and of course they all kick my butt yeah. i'd be lapping la- in the women's race i'd be lapping second and then go to the boys and they just kick my butt because at the end of the day like we're built different right and so I remember when I started fishing, like, I'm like, well, I like this because it's literally just about devotion and time. Whoever, you know, puts the most time and has the most heart is going to do the best. And, you know, whether you're big or small or whatever. And so that being said, like, it's crazy to me how, how many people kind of treat you like, kind of like you're like a dancing monkey almost. It's crazy. They'll do, oh, oh, well, you, I've never had a female guy and they just can't kind of get over it. And they're like, oh, well that's so cool that you can just pull that boat motor over just like that. And like, it just, it kind of gets a little, a little old. It's like, you know, or, Oh, well, you know, yeah. but like, I'm sure like all, all guides kind of feel like that in, in a way. But like, I would say like finding a job, first of all, like it was very difficult to get into my first guide gig. Um, a lot of things that I heard are just, you know, we've never had a female guide and like, we don't know what to do with you. Like, you know, we have, we can't put you in, in guide land and, you know, we, we can't put you with the girls and, and, you know, because they don't want, you know, all the stinky, stinky guide stuff and all your fishing stuff in the girls cottage. So like, you know, a lot of places kind of turn, turn me down in the past, just being like, well, we don't really know. We're, we're not ready for that. That's something I heard a few times too. Like we've just, we're not ready for that in the camp. And, you know, I've, where I worked at a camp before where they definitely were not, we're not ready for a female guide. And like, like I said, it's just, you're there to do a job just like anybody else. And like, I find it's tricky because like for myself, like 
I go into camp and, and, you know, especially if I'm doing like a little solo stint and some of the young guys working there, they haven't seen a girl in the past four months. So of course they're going to get excited when a young girl comes into camp, right? <laughs> like whether it be a female guide or like any female, right? Like, you know, and so the guys will get pretty excited. And then like sometimes like, you know, sometimes the girls, most of the time they're nice, but a lot of time they won't give you a chance to kind of like feel like this loner caught in the middle. Cause you're like, the girls just assume that like you don't want anything to do with them because you're like the cool female guide, even though you would die to hang out with the girls and paint and do all the girl stuff. But then like said, the guys, they kind of approach us, you know, so it's like, it's kind of weird sometimes it's a little bit weird yeah. but for the most part. Like it's all about where you work, you know? And, and as we all know, like camps, certain camps have certain reputations. And, 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 and so for myself, like I just make sure before I go somewhere, I'll just, make sure I ask a bunch of people that have been there and, 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 and experienced it before and make sure that it's safe, which sounds terrible to say, but it's true. Like make sure that no one's, you know, extra creepy or whatever. And if I get the green and, and mm-hmm. everyone, you know, everyone goes, Oh no, all the guys are pretty good. Then I'll try to apply and go for it. But yeah, like honestly, I, at the end of the day, like I don't think it's necessarily gender. It's just size. Like, like being my size, like going through the snow and trying to start my sled and like starting the, the guest sleds for them. Like, it's kind of like, kind of like watching a kid do it, which I guess it'd be kind of funny, eh? Like watching like a 10 year old kid go and you know, <laughs> change the belt on a snowmobile. Like I'm sure it is pretty, pretty, you know, humorous. Like, but you know, at the end of the day, like yeah. you can't, everyone just takes you for face value. You get the job done. Yeah. You just got to get the job done. And like, you know, it is what it is. And like when I used to race dirt bikes, like, you know, you crash your brains out in the back, back stretch. Well, guess what? Like you're by yourself. You just got to suck it up and keep going. <laughs> so, you know, it is the same thing with this. Yeah. You just got to just keep on keeping on, you know? Yeah. That's a really good exactly. attitude. Yeah. Does it, does it get kind of old? Like you kind of mentioned it, but does it get kind of old when it's like, like, do you get the comments like, oh, you're actually, you're a pretty good guide for a girl or this for a girl, that for a girl. Like, I feel like it, you wouldn't say that to a guy that you're surprised is good at guiding. Like, for me, I guess you're pretty good at guiding for being an accountant or something like that. That'd be my <laughs> equivalent of it, but that's not nearly the same, right? Like, do you get that quite a bit? Yeah, yeah. That like I would definitely say that's like my number my 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 number one thing that kind of will sometimes irk me, you know. Like I I grew up, you know, like I said, racing bikes and stuff. My mom was a, a professional motorcycle racer. Like, you know, she kinda she got me ready for this world quite well. But at the same time, it's just you just kind of, you can't help but just kind of clench your fists and bite your teeth because it's like, I don't look at you and go, that was a really good cast for a man. Or, you know what I mean? Or they they, they hook a man <laughs> yeah. on, I'm like, oh my God, that was so mm-hmm. good for a man. Like, that's so stupid, you know? And so for them to kind of say that to me, I just find it humorous. But at the end of the day, like, I don't try not to take it too personally because like, you know, everyone's raised different. Like, you know, I, I had a guest and, and he's from down south Louisiana and he said to me, with all due respect, ma'am, like ladies don't even hardly leave the house. So this is just something that's very different. And, and I go, and I respect <laughs> that this is different. You know what I mean? Like, I respect that you're not used to having some little blonde thing drive you around in the boat. I respect that. I'm like, so just respect me and we'll get along fine. Like, but like, I've only had one group in the past six yeah. years that I've, had to take back to shore that I just said, I, I can't do it. You know, like they just making shore lunch, cracking up these like stupid woman jokes. And like the one guest threw a walleye down my bibs. And so as soon as he did that, I was like, Kate packing her up time to go back. And then 
Coincidentally, I yeah. remember I ended up accidentally guiding Troy Linder. That's when I met Troy to film to film with him up at the lodge and and you know, and it was an amazing experience. And so it's kind of funny how one thing led to a next. But yeah, like for the most part, honestly, everyone's amazing and like I yeah, I feel it's I couldn't be more grateful for that, you know? Yeah. It's it's the mutual respect, like you said, with that guy from from down south, far down south. It's like you know out of respect he's saying this isn't something i'm used to and you're like i respect that but this is what i do so i mean as yeah, long as he, those those lines are are not crossed right yeah like there's no disrespect there you know it's laid out on the line it's giving you know realistic expectations like this is different but like i'm not saying it's bad but i just want you to know like this is how i feel yeah. i'm not used to seeing this yeah exactly and yeah. like for myself too it's so easy to want to be you know, sometimes you see that you see maybe like that girl or that guy, even like gender aside that like does something and then parades around. Well, I'm so great. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I had, I had some guests that yeah. they didn't even want me to guide them because they go, oh, well, you know, do you have any other guides? And, and Daryl goes, we've got the mechanic. He doesn't know how to drive the boat though. And he goes, oh, well, you know, we'll just go by ourselves and we don't need a guide this trip. And so sure enough, uh, Sure enough, his uh, fuel pump is just full of water. Right? I see him dead in the lake, and they're crossing their arms, freaking out, pulling, freaking out, pulling, freaking out. So, you know, without saying a word, I'm able just to raft up what's going on, you know, and oh, our motor won't start. And I'm like, okay, I said, let, can I take a look? No, 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 you won't get it. It's, it's done. And I go, no, no, let me just, I said, if you don't mind, I said, let me just grab my pliers real quick, pop the cowl off, take the fuel pump off, couple pumps on the ball, you know what I mean? Put it back on, starts right away. Just a bit of water, you know what I mean? Just a, water, a bit of water in the fuel pump, no big panic. Mm -hmm. Starts up right away. I don't even look at the guy. I just literally just hop right back in my boat, just motor away with my guest, you know what I mean? And then, of course, we chirp them like crazy when we're in our own privacy. But, like, you know what I'm saying, though? But it's like, yeah. you're, like yeah. I don't want them to make me feel like that, so I don't make them feel like that. I'm not like, oh, well, you stupid idiot. I'm a girl, and I could figure that out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's just a just genuine mutual. Yep. We're on the same page. We're on the same team. Like, yeah. you hear a lot of guests, especially in the winter, being like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to catch a lake trout with blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, like we're on the same team. I just want to see you catching fish. Like if you catch on this wacky, mm -hmm. wacky ass thing, then that's cool. But if you don't, then call me over and I'll give you a bait you'll catch on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, why'd you pay to have me for a day if you're going to not listen or not at least take my thoughts into consideration no right? i don't and you know and guys will tell me like i think the number one like kind of like snub i get is like guys will say to me listen we don't actually need a guide like i just don't want to drive the boat anymore because my you know for my son because he won't drive the boat like they'll just kind of make it like a drive the boat thing and i go well call me uber because let's go you know what i mean i don't mind and then 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 you know if they they need yeah. some help or or whatever then you know, but I just, you kind of got to read the room and I'm sure a lot of guides have that experience. Like certain guests, they you can't tell them nothing to, to save their lives, but others, they're looking at you being yeah. like, tell me everything. Yeah. And you're almost overwhelmed. Like, Oh, where do we start? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 This, this is yeah, exciting. I like this. <laughs> and I, I guess, I guess kind of on that same note, of the last topic with now it's different like when you have people face to face we all know this right people will say stuff online that they would never say to your face so also being in this industry that's obviously male dominated what's it like 
on the socials for you. Like I know we've we've talked to some other girls. There's quite, there's quite a few girls that we that we talked to through through the fishing page or that we know here in Saskatchewan that fish and stuff. And it doesn't sound like the most fun time. But what's it been like for you, especially being a bigger account? Honestly, like I might get some hate for saying this, but it's been great. Like I don't get like hardly like ever like no honestly like I hardly ever get any negative comments and like. You know, I'm very sassy and like, I love a good old rebuttal. So like, you know, if people would try, maybe they did and they just gave up. I don't know. But like, you know, it's just, I, mm-hmm. I tend to have a really, really good experience, but like, I noticed that, you know, there, there are some pages where like, you know, you see girls and they're just like getting ripped apart. And like, I, I feel so bad because it's like, man, everyone like does their own thing. And if the girl wants to look gorgeous and have her makeup done and do this and do that and then just let her like leave her alone like you know and so like I said for me it's 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 been a good experience and I've gotten of course you get you know like you get the odd the odd message you know like I remember uh uh when PETA started going after me the one time but honestly it just brought me more followers you know because more hunters are like oh like you know coming in standing up so like yeah like but for the most part, like, now that I'm thinking about it, I haven't really put myself out there that much. Like, you know, I'll post pictures of, of hunts right. and, and, and some big fish and, 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 you know, I'll post some ridiculous stories and I'm not afraid to embarrass myself on them. You know, I think, I think they're pretty funny. But that being said, like, I'm not really, like, one to be, like, lip syncing or, like, you know, posting, like, kind of more lewd photos or, like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, like what are they going to attack me for? Like, I don't really know. Like, unless you like don't yeah. like hunting. Like I, I think the most hate I ever got was when I posted a picture of a big pile of snows from the spring. And it literally turned into like this beautiful educational moment with all these strangers on the internet. And I was explaining to them, you know, cause, <laughs> because keep in mind, like people don't understand. And so it's so easy to see someone comment on your photo being like, Oh, big pile of birds, you're evil, go die. And it's easy to look at that person and type back, well, you know, you go die or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? It's easy to have some petty rebuttal, but at the end of the day, like for myself, I'll just respond with like, really appreciate your opinion. You're entitled to it. However, did you know, fun fact that, you know, these caribou are becoming endangered extinct because of these snow geese eating grasses, holding back saline flats, blah, blah, blah. I'll nerd out on them if they want to listen to it. And then at the end of the day, you maybe make a friend. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like people just are uneducated and like, don't really know. And like, like you mentioned before that lake trout I posted, it was the first thing I've ever had go viral. I think it's over like 2.2 million views or something. Like I remember sitting on the counter in the kitchen at Baker's waiting on my chicken wings thinking, I'll just post this online. Why not? You know? And, and so like, you know, there's, it's funny, like the amount of comments on there, like people are like, Oh, the fish is dead. Or like, you know, like, Oh, like this girl's a Karen. And I'm like, I don't even know what they mean by that. But like, you know, just get like these random comments, but it kind of made me realize that like, the bigger that you know the bigger audience you reach like the more like people are literally just idiots on the internet like it's actually hilarious how dumb people are so it's like yeah yeah you know you just you're gonna put yourself out there then you gotta expect one or two people to maybe you know give you some shit yeah you gotta have thick skin yeah. and just kill them kill them with kindness well, honestly that's, and that's the thing like that's what i've always found is like, me. like somebody could say something so rude yeah yeah you can somebody can say something so rude and you just 
just laugh at them and, you know, send a smiley face and, you know, just kill them with kindness. And what are they going to well, say? Like at the end of the day, I'll joke. Cause like, if I ever have someone that messaged me something like trying to be personal or something mean, which like I said, hardly happens, but in the rare occurrence that it does, I'll just respond. You know, I, I guide muskie sometimes. And so no one can hurt my feelings, you know, <laughs> or I guide for lake trout. So no one can hurt my feelings, <laughs> yeah. you know, like just something small and just like just yeah. block them right away like i notice a lot of people though so well any engagement is engagement and like on that post that lake chart i had a few comments that were a little like mm, all right like they're just like cussing and being super rude and i'm like this isn't the environment for this just literally block them like get rid of them you know get rid of them gone like you don't need to if you want the drama yep. i'm sure yeah. you can have it you know what i mean but it's like you don't need it you can just block them and get rid of them it's the internet bye <laughs> Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and I, I, that sounds like ex- exact experience I had with, I have a pike video, crappy pike video, phone shot, windblown. It's at like 14 million views on Facebook. And these, they, I don't even know, I don't want to say uneducated people, but they it's are. just people that don't know. So like half the comments are great job. Like you fought that fish so well. Like I'm fighting a, a 42 and a quarter inch pike on a 28 medium heavy Rapala that I had for. <laughs> I don't even know what I was fishing for. I was on a jaw jacker at that time, right? And I'm like, yeah. this is not what I wanted to happen. And they're like, the other the other one half saying, great job. The other half is like, video's way too long. It's like a five-minute video. This is way too long. Or why is this is this like 200 feet deep? I'm like, you obviously have never yeah, fished. Like you don't so understand drag. You, know? you know, like all these things of like, yeah, exactly. So that's exactly what happened. Or we had a, we had a YouTube short of, uh, it's a chocolate lab carrying its first sandhill crane. And it's just pumped, right? And uh, dogs coming back. It's like a six-second video. We had that get like I don't know how many million views on on YouTube, and all these people, different languages too, telling us that like God hates yeah. us and this and that. I'm like, you don't even understand. Like, yeah, that bird is endangered. Why would you on, kill it? Yeah, like, why would you kill that poor swan? And you're like, what? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we get that one a bit. Those that you can't hunt those. That's a hundred twenty-five thousand dollar fine. I'm like, you're you're like halfway there. It's not quite this one, yeah, but like almost. you're getting close, kind of thing. At least you know that that you can't do one Good of for them. You. Yeah, yeah it's no, like, I, I, I totally agree with that. It's nice. Oh, uh, go ahead. No, I, sorry, I just uh, you go ahead. Oh no, I just it's just gonna say it's it's funny, but it's also it's nice that you don't have to deal with that as much because obviously, like we said, we've we've heard it and lots of people have heard like the stuff that girls have to deal with um online and stuff like that could be pretty terrible and and also when you talked about other girls that'll put themselves out there more and like i think personally it's like that is maybe their advantage in the hunting industry or the fishing industry so why not take advantage of that right like there's not many female models to go out and model hunting stuff for fishing stuff like why wouldn't you take advantage of that like if you can do that get your foot in and do what you want to do why why should anyone try and bash you for getting to be in the industry and be part of it right like it's no different than a guy getting to go out there and and do it too but you just look at it like yeah that's what he does and kind of thing it's like why can't a girl do that too right like it's it's pretty well, crazy it's like exactly and it's like people i notice that people tend to like be sour and judge like what's kind of not not them obviously and so like obviously for me i'm not like <laughs> you know i wish i wish i was all dolled up you know big old lips pretty nails you know like that'd be cool like but the thing is i respect like i respect women that that's their hobby and that's what they're into and you know and sometimes though it does it does get annoying where it's like 
you know, you see someone and they're like, you know, literally Instagram models holding the rod upside down and like, oh, I love fishing. And it's like, go sexualize someone else's sport, you know, but like, I'll never forget, like, (laughs) (laughs) but I'll never forget, like, as young as I can remember at all the motocross races, all the, you know, the monster girls and the rock star girls would be there and stuff. I remember being like, you know, this like butch, like, you know, super rough and tough 14 year old kid covered (laughs) in mud being like looking at these girls like. Oh, you know, and at first I, I said to my mom, those girls, like, and she goes, what, are beautiful? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, well, Emily, remember, those girls, they, they're different than, than you and I, you know? They don't have dirt under their nails. They're not racing the bikes. They're modeling the bikes. And that job is needed, and that's their job, and you need to respect it, just as you expect them to respect you looking like a little heathen. So just, you know, respect each other and, and move along, you know? <laughs> <laughs> which is true you yeah. know i don't want her to exactly. touch Absolutely. me yeah like yeah, yeah. it's no, a two-way exactly. street yeah. yeah everyone's got a job to do you, you know yeah everyone's got to make those that money however however they want to make it right everyone <laughs> dollar, dollar bill, dirt you know? on your nails might not be for you but you can if you want to be pinned up by with a fishing rod but yeah the biggest thing is don't be an imposter with it like at least if you're gonna do it be authentic make sure it's at least somewhat factual yeah be be authentic with it, yeah, and and it that's i think last, lots of people that you know? lots of girls that are actually authentic yeah. get it yeah 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 exactly it exactly but um i guess i don't know we've we've had you it's oh wow it's already been an hour 25 so that's okay i got um, lots of time I don't know, should we, Brian, should we hop into the rapid fire? Yeah, let's do it. Rapid fire? Okay, you want to start her off? Sure. Okay. First first thing that comes to your mind, Em. Okay. Dream trip for hunting. Alaska moose. Just something different. Um, Dream trip. Yeah, something different there. Dream trip for fishing. Oh, the Tree River. I would love to go to the Tree River up north in Northwest Territories. Okay, yeah. I've seen I've seen quite a bit of that being close, somewhat closer to it this year. I saw quite a bit of that up there. So, and you can you can expand on the answer if you'd like, but we want it. We want a quick yeah. one, and then you'd be like, because of this, you don't have to just leave it out at the oh, one okay, if you if you want to. But uh, what do you got next? What do you got next, Brandon? Best snack to bring a guide. To bring a guide. Um. Oh, to bring a be, guide. Best snack to bring a guide would be an ice cold pop and some chips, chippies. Any any flavor, I don't care. Ooh, <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, what do we got here next? Go to multi species Rapala lure. Shadow wrap, hundred percent. We caught all almost. We caught five species on the shadow wrap in one day at at Slippery last year. No yeah, way. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. We literally were able to to catch one of everything on the same shadow wrap, and then the client lost it in the tree the last cast of the day. Just as I was like, don't lose it. What, what? Gone. I tried to climb up. She was like 30 what's feet your favorite color? Sh- what's your favorite color shadow wrap? <laughs> Live perch. Okay. <laughs> what, uh, what were the five species that you caught on it? So we got a lake trout. We got a perch. We got a large mouth. We got a small mouth. And we got a walleye. No bourbon. Oh, no burbs. No bourbon. Oh, and a pike. I guess Mark. a pike would be six. Hey. If you can yeah. catch a burbit on the shadow wrap, get a picture of it. Mark wants a photo of a burbit caught on a shadow wrap. Oh my god, Mark! Does <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, tell him next winter I'll have to figure something out. That was a task yeah, this that isn't he. A summer, that was, it's not a summer. That project. was a task that he gave us, and we failed. Honestly, so. like I don't even 
Well, I forgot about that We have them in our task. lake in the summertime. Like, I accidentally found this massive whitefish floating one time. I stick it in the mouth of that, but. <laughs> okay, next yeah. here. Uh, if you weren't a guide, what would you do? Mm, probably be homeless. No. Um, <laughs> uh, probably like landscaping or like tree removal or something. I love a good chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah, something outdoors. So still, still so, physical, yeah. like something, something outdoors and physical. I don't have the brains to be a doctor or anything like cool. that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of school. Yeah, you're either like tough or you're really smart. <laughs> I thought smart. you were agreeing with her there. <laughs> I was like, what? No, no, no that's not. I wasn't agreeing. <laughs> no. I'm just like, no. But I just, I was, I was sitting there thinking about like, I know some people that are going through like law school mm-hmm. and medical school, and it's like. It's a long time. No, you're either really tough yeah. or you're really smart. And unfortunately, I'm not really, really smart. I'm kind of in the middle, you know, on the tough side. Fortunately, you're really tough. <laughs> like you're not, you're not, you're not like tall, but you're yeah. tough. Yeah. Like a nail. Yeah. And we can't talk either because we're not tough and we're not tall. So I don't know <laughs> hey, where nobody we needs to that Nobody one. needs to, <laughs> nobody <laughs> needs to know. This is a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's the that's the nice thing about podcasts is no one really sees how tall or how short we actually are. They just hear our voices instead. <laughs> they see our voices, hey? Wow. Hear our voices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should have been a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I guess I guess yeah, we like I said, we've kept just about hour and a half just the interview portion of this. So um could probably let you go here, but plug away. Where can people find you? A- any anything you want. Um, well, uh I would love to see a bunch, uh, a bunch of you guys come up to Baker's Narrows and get a forty-six and a half inch lake trout. So the lake record I think is we're we're is a forty-seven if we can do that next year. So uh, Baker's Narrows Lodge, if you want to come lake trout fishing in the winter, you find me there all winter long. Um, my Instagram is at m seventy two. I hardly post on there, but it's good when I do, and uh, I post a lot of stories. And uh, ba ba ba. What else? Slippery winds. Uh, Wilderness Lodge. If you want to do some open water fishing and and crush some walleye, uh, that's that's the summer gig. And then on Garros, Saskatchewan. If you are um, an American looking for a incredible waterfowl hunting experience, you know uh, where to find us here in Saskatchewan. And uh, I think that's about it. I don't really have anything else to. No mixtape to throw to to announce or anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> not yet. There you go. Well, there you go. we we honestly we truly appreciate you sitting down with us. It's uh, it's been a while in the making, so it was nice to sit down finally get to chat with you in person, not just via Instagram. So, um, keep doing what you're doing, and I'm sure we'll have you back on in the future for sure. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me. It's really awesome. There you have it. Another great interview with an amazing person in the industry. She's obviously, um, you know, got six years under her belt, guiding full time, fishing, hunting, the whole the whole shebang. So uh, we really appreciate her taking the time to sit down, talk fishing, talk about uh, you know a little bit of hunting, the guide life, her partnerships, all of that. Um, just a super cool lifestyle that she's built for herself. And uh, yeah, I don't know, Logan, what do you think of that interview? I think it was pretty cool. It's funny how we both just assumed because it says in her bio and you obviously <laughs> can tell that she's living around here that she's from Saskatchewan. Um, but no, definitely cool to see. You don't you don't hear a lot of embraces of Saskatchewan from people who actually move here. It's Somebody like, from Ontario yeah, really here. just pumping Saskatchewan's tires. 
Yeah, but I think that also goes to show like a lot of people move here and they don't leave leave the city. And I mean, that's unfortunate for them. I consider them very unlucky, but they just don't they don't get out. But when you like I said in the interview, when you get 15 minutes off the number 1, things change a lot. Yeah. You can go 15 minutes north to south or whatever and things change a lot and if you actually get out, I think Saskatchewan's a great place and she she showed that for sure in her explanation of basically coming from Ontario to to over here. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was a great Great conversation, and um, thank you again, Emily. We really do um, appreciate you coming on. So um, before we go, we got to give a, another mention to our presenting sponsors, 13 Fishing Canada. They have some amazing products, and, you know, with technically today, when the episode drops, it's opening day in uh, southern Saskatchewan. Go prepare for open water. Go grab a rod. Go grab a reel. They got some new reels. Go check those out. Um some baits go grab yourself some churros i know you were using those a lot up north in the northwest territories um so many good products go check out repella.ca so many brands so many products so many savings yeah exactly and i I think one thing i talk about i don't know what episode it was i should know the number but get your crankbaits ready get your jerk baits ready a great time of year for that as well especially the jerk baits Um, swim baits for shallow walleye yeah exactly and like we said, the ice isn't off yet. So I've like, I ordered my stuff. I think it was like Friday and today we're recording. It's Wednesday and it's already here. So it comes quick. So you do have time to get it before open water for sure. So definitely check them out, but uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in again. Uh, looking forward to, to future episodes becoming and be sure to stay tuned for those. Thanks for tuning in to the weekend warriors fishing podcast. If you enjoyed the show, Be sure to leave a review on your favorite listening platform so we can reach more anglers just like you. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for media updates and behind-the-scenes content.